Hello out there. How are you doing today? Doing well, I hope. We're going to keep moving right along with these COVID podcasts. The guests on the first two gave us a higher level view of the fallout from the sudden shutdown. Author Chris Diamond gave a long view of what this could mean for the industry. Boeing CEO Stephen Kircher then came on earlier this week to talk about what it was like dealing with a big bucket of mountains and the scramble leading up to the shutdown. But more than half of the ski areas in the United States are independents. Most of them would qualify as small businesses, even if the mountains themselves are in some cases rather large. That's the case with Magic Mountain. If you're listening from outside the Northeast, you may not be familiar with Magic. It's what we would classify as a mid-sized ski area out here. 50 trails and glades on a 1,500-foot vertical drop. It's in southern Vermont, not far from Vales Mount Snow, and basically next door to Altera Stratton. So Magic's fighting the Megapass Wars in real time, and believe it or not, it's holding its own. It's doing this even though it has no high-speed lifts and snowmaking coverage on only about half the mountain. But Magic can stay upright in this fight because the place has some rowdy terrain and a no-frills throwback vibe that has earned it a very loyal following. So it's a small mountain, but an important one. To have a healthy industry, we have to have healthy indies. And this is one of the most important indies in the East. How Magic reacted to COVID-19 and how they're going to weather the fallout from it is a good indication of how its fellow indies are going to be able to manage it. Last week, Magic got way ahead of most of the rest of the industry by pushing out the due date for their early bird pass prices. And importantly, saying those prices would drop before the passes went on sale. It was a really well done email, very aware and very in the moment as far as acknowledging the tough financial times we're all going through. So I reached out to Magic President Jeff Hathaway, who's been on the Storm Skiing podcast, and asked if he could make time for a quick chat. Luckily for all of us, he said yes. Let's hear it. Jeff Hathaway is the founder and president of Ski Magic LLC, which owns and operates Magic Mountain, Vermont. He just wrapped up his fourth season as head of Magic. Jeff, thank you for joining us. Hey, Stuart. Uh, Good to be with you. Hope all is well. How are you doing with all this, Jeff? What's life like in Vermont right now? Uh, it's uh, less active uh, than it normally is. I mean, it's it's definitely a strange time. You know, we consider ourselves lucky to be certainly up here. Uh, I know you're down in New York, and, you know, it's, New York is going through a very, very hard time. Uh, I think, you know, it's kind of New York is kind of a precursor to what's going to happen in, in a lot of places. Hopefully we learn you know, more quickly and uh, get better prepared. I know the state of Vermont is is getting as prepared as it can be, obviously on a smaller scale, but the virus doesn't care, you know, whether you're rural or or city. Uh, So, you know, it's definitely, uh, life has changed. And uh, it's strange to have, you know, snow on the mountain and no one around. And, uh, you know, we're trying to navigate it as, as best we can, you know, just on a, on a personal level, uh, you know, uh, being home as much as we are, uh, and on a professional level, how do we, you know, steer our little ship uh, through this uh, pandemic and so that we come out on the other side like we want everyone else to come out on this other side in, in good health and uh, ready to go when when every, everyone else is ready to go back uh, and kind of, I don't know if we'll ever resume life as normal anymore, but... Uh, whatever uh, the new normal will be, we want to be, you know, prepared for that and uh, and be here for people. And, and how is your staff doing, your employees? Their season was cut short and a lot of them are seasonal and, and I presume used to this sort of end of the season, but it came a little faster. 
than normal? How are they doing? How are they weathering this whole uh, sudden work stoppage? Well, I, yeah, it's definitely tough on us, uh, on our seasonal staff. Uh, we ended probably three weeks earlier than we normally end, and probably food and beverage maybe four weeks earlier than we usually end. Uh, so, you know, these are, you know, trying times, but, you know, I think our seasonal employees uh, are doing as best they can. Like everyone else in, you know, in this country, you know, there's not a lot of difference. <laughs> everyone is everyone is kind of holed up and uh, trying to do their best to distance and uh, do the right things. And, uh, I mean, fortunately, uh, the state of Vermont, you know, provides uh, good unemployment benefits, and I think the bill that has recently uh, passed uh, the Senate and the House uh, also provides additional help, so everyone is really being made whole, at least in the short term, which is important. But we're all dealing with the, the fact that we're working less, uh, and that's you know we're we're a country designed to work, but we've got something bigger that we've got to you know work against right now in terms of this virus, and everyone's doing their part as far as I, as far as we know. <laughs> For the, I've I've seen a lot of Vermonters. Uh, doing what they should be doing, and uh, that's comforting. Uh, we've seen it uh, down in New York as well, and that's uh, you know comforting that everyone's doing the best they can. But uh, no, our seasonal workers obviously, you know, cut short a bit. But uh, there's that backstop of uh, strong unemployment insurance that's uh, currently taking place, and we're we're thankful for that. Our our year-round staff, uh, we always have a fairly small year-round staff, but uh, right now we're keeping uh, the year-round staff on on payroll at this point uh, uh, as we want you know them to feel secure. And I think, again, if we can get some of these benefits back uh, from uh, the bill that was passed recently in both the House and Senate, hopefully we'll get some help with that. But uh, in the meantime, we're still you know paying those folks and uh, whatever they can do you know, online, uh, they, they're doing, but this is a business that has a lot of outside maintenance that needs to happen and things of that sort. So, you know, some of that has obviously been uh, put on hold, but we continue to plug away where we can, obviously. So, and, and how did your employees react? Was there this was there this sense that okay, we're part of something bigger here? Um, this is not ideal, but we understand we need to shut this thing down as fast as possible and follow the government guidelines and and just kind of stay out of the way and and hope we can get this through this as fast as possible. Yeah, I, there. Uh, everyone understood what was going on. Uh, no one uh, really wanted to really come back to you know to you know we're a, a place that you know where a lot of visitors come and things of that sort. They understood the health risks as well, so they understood why we shut down early and very supportive of all the efforts to. Uh, minimize contact and things of that sort. So, no, they've been great, and uh, you know, spirits in, in general are are pretty good, despite the fact that everyone's <laughs> dealing with a new circumstance of being home a lot. Uh, people still go outside and get exercise here. We're fortunate in terms of there's a lot of space uh, in Vermont and things of that sort, uh, and the governor encouraged people to still go out and get exercise. Uh, because that's you know an important part of you know maintaining good health, uh, which you which you need, and also to clear your mind. So I I take a lot of walks. I've taken more walks than uh, I usually do, and really just enjoying you know the beautiful scenery of, of Vermont and uh, try to put you know the mind at ease. And I think that's important for people to do. Uh, take that time, uh, be reflective, uh, 
be be thankful that we're we're doing something together, uh, and hopefully we come out of this as as soon as we can. Of course. Yeah, it's important to stay active right now. And when, when I think most people, especially like you mentioned here in New York, it's it's eerie. The streets are basically empty. The reports coming out of the hospital are terrifying. So I think everyone, for the most part, is just trying to stay in, stay out of the way. But there's still a lot of people out jogging, people out riding their bikes. I think it's important. You have to get out, keep your body moving because that keeps your brain moving and, and keeps you from growing stale inside. Um, so I, I want to go back to the week of the shutdown. It all happened so fast. On Thursday, March 12th, your fellow Indie Mountain, Berkshire East, which is not too far south of you, even though it's in Massachusetts, uh, became the first mountain in the U.S., along with Sister Mountain Catamount, to shut down explicitly to help stem the spread of COVID-19. By that Sunday, four days later, March 15th, almost every ski area in the Northeast was shut down, including Magic. Um, take us through this. When did you start thinking this may be an issue? Uh, take us from that point to when you finally decided to call it a season. Yeah, as you say, you know, uh, you know, it was like days and hours uh, in terms of, you know, how these these decisions were made, and uh, uh, we, you know, Vermont didn't really have, uh, you know, much of a, a problem, but it, it's interesting when, you know, Berkshire East, you know, uh, and Catamount closed down, you know, they were dealing with an outbreak, uh, somewhat of an outbreak in in, in the Berkshire area, and so that kind of you know, brought it closer to home, and that's when you really start thinking. Okay, you know, this season uh, is going to end early. Would it be a week? You know, week and a half. You know, some places were thinking end of March. We were initially thinking that maybe the 21st we're going to have to shut down, uh, and then it was it quickly became apparent that uh, you know we were gaining more and more information very quickly. Vale decided to close down and things of that sort, and that was. You know, Saturday night we heard about that, so we decided Sunday would be it. I mean, it was literally happening within, you know, hours and trying to make uh, decisions uh, as quickly as we could. So it's amazing how quickly this all of a sudden became, you know, the guidelines. We were basically following the guidelines from, from the state and, you know, you know, went from, you know, no gatherings of more than 250 people to no gatherings of 50 people to right. gatherings of 10 people, and that all happened kind of within a week. And uh, so, you know, everyone was kind of catching up on what uh, what was going on, you know, and obviously from a nationwide standpoint, it's still a slow rollout. But right. it's, you think about it, you know, it's really only been, you know, three weeks, you know, basically since we've closed down. Uh, and, and yet you still have, uh, you know, states, that are not closing down, mm-hmm. things of that sort. And it's, uh, you know, Florida just uh, closed down, you know, with some of the most elderly population and things of that sort. Uh, obviously, the state of Vermont also has a very elderly popula- population. So uh, why it's taken, you know, states this long is part of the problem. Uh, I think there wasn't a lot of guidance from, you know, the, our national leaders until late. Uh, and that you know if 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 they're downplaying you know the impact of this virus then you know it doesn't you know sometimes that doesn't communicate uh, down to the to the local level so it's amazing how quickly it happened but it's also still amazing that it hasn't happened everywhere else uh as as a country and uh, it needs to yeah absolutely the the ski area the, the ski industry 
did react pretty quickly. It was behind a few other things. Large sporting events started to get canceled, uh, Disney parks, things of that nature. There seemed to be a, a standard progression that most ski areas and, and ski companies were following, which is starting with the premise that skiing is sort of naturally socially distanced because of the way people spread out on the slopes. But then when you start backing that down to the lifts, oh, there's lift lines, you start backing that into the lodge and those are kind of crowded and you back into the parking lots and, and you know, people can kind of run into each other there. So it, it seemed like everyone went through this progression of, you know, we can make this work. We'll just do extra sanitation. We'll space things out to very quickly saying, wait a minute, this is just not going to work. Was there one final catalyst that pushed you over and, and just made you say, okay, this is just not happening. We're closing tomorrow. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, people were concerned about coming to work. And, you know, um, that's probably the biggest catalyst is that, uh, you know, we've got employees uh, that we also have to think about. And there are a lot of skiers who just want to ski. If there's snow on the hills, as you say, you're outdoors, you're in the fresh air. But there's a lot, as you say, there's a lot of progressions coming off of that. And yeah, could we have tried to make it work where we just put one person on a chair and and we don't have any food and beverage and things of that sort in the lodge? And the, but then it's like, what are, what are we doing here? And so it just became apparent from a, you know a safety standpoint for our customers and for our employees that it made sense to to close down. Uh, as difficult as that is, uh, because you know this is such a great sport. And you're out in the fresh air, and it's healthy, and all that kind of stuff. And no, I mean it's it's just cascaded pretty quickly. Where it's like there's just too many spots where people are gathering uh, that you, you can't control. No matter how much you sanitize things, uh, you can't control. So let's just call it a day. And how much of it was a factor was it when when Vale and Altera shut down? That basically means Stratton's closed right next door. Uh, Mount Snow, not too far away, is closed. I'm not sure when Bromley made their call. But how much of a factor was that when you see, okay, these bigger neighbors are starting to shut down. That means those skiers are going to come here. Uh, we need to cut that off and keep that from happening. And, and I saw you limited ticket sales on your last day, and, and I'm assuming that may be part of the reason why. But Yeah, no, definitely. And, you know, we all uh, uh, stayed in touch within the, the Vermont ski areas, stayed in touch with what was going on. We updated and things of that sort. So, yeah, once it was clear that uh, uh, there were potential other other areas closed, closing Dallin as well as us. Uh, you know, it was definitely you know time. There were still some holdouts and things that went longer and things of that sort. But I think certainly public pressure uh, in the next in that next week, as well as the state, you know, forced those places to close as well. So yeah, and there's definitely you know which is good. Social pressure is good, I think. <laughs> and uh, we you know all of a sudden you know if, if someone makes a decision at the last minute, all of a sudden it can impact, impact you. As you say, you can get more people here than you wanted to have here. So uh, that certainly made our call uh, for a, a Sunday closure the right one to because we were going to get if we were one of the few places that were open, we were going to get a lot a lot of people here, and we certainly didn't want that. So. And, and did you notice before the other scary started to shut down, was there sort of a thinning of traffic? Were people starting to get scared and stay away? Or were you as busy as you would have been expected to be given the conditions and the time of year? Uh, I, I think on that Sunday, we were, we were turning people away. So, I mean, so pe- people wanted to ski. They didn't care. Yeah. Right. <laughs> people wanted to ski. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, you know, we had, you know, I was out there turning cars around. So, um, right. we, we cut it off at what the uh, level that the state allowed, but, you know, still you could, you know, 
it was time. You could tell people well, wanted to ski, and the only way to discourage people from skiing is to actually close. Right. What was the, what time did you have to start actually turning cars away? No, it was probably ten thirty in the morning. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. When it, when our, when everyone else is shut, I guess they they figure out who's still open. Um, so Magic does have what's probably the most passionate community in Southern Vermont of the Southern Vermont ski areas. How did your community react to this news that you were shutting down? Because a lot of people were still in denial. A lot of people didn't realize how serious this was, weren't really taking it seriously. Um, and, and were a little hostile to these early closings. I, I don't know if you encountered that, but what was your community's reaction in general? I, I sent a, a letter out by email to our customer base, you know, Saturday night, uh, you know, saying that we were closing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the reaction to that was, you know, very positive in general. Yeah, I mean, there were still a few, oh, you can, you can make it to next week. Uh, you know, you've got plenty of snow, this and that. You know, you're different than the corporate resorts who all closed down, you know, had to close down because, you know, it was a corporate decision from, you know, on high. So there were a few comments like that, but in general, people were supportive and understood, you know, why we were doing it. I mean, so we have a passionate community, but they're, they're a rational community for the most part too. So, uh, as you say, you know, there was, you know, everyone was, you know, and that guy gets back to my point about how this really wasn't driven from, you know, uh, the, the top on down from a national level. So there were people still, because it wasn't taken seriously, uh, yet, uh, nationally, uh, some of the states were t- taking it seriously, more seriously. I think that, allowed people to believe that this was really no big thing and this mm-hmm. would pass quickly and things of that sort. But, uh, you know, uh, businesses, you know, have to deal with actual people on the ground. We have to deal with our own, you know, community and what's good, you know, for them and for our our employees and things of that sort. So, you know, it became evident, you know, we're quick learners. You know, if you tell us the truth and what's going on and, uh, and I think the American people in general are, are pretty quick learners and can deal with situations if you if you tell them the truth and what's really going on uh, and can react quickly. And that's what the ski industry basically has done is react pretty quickly. Maybe could we have closed an hour earlier, two hours earlier, you know, three days earlier? All this stuff maybe could have been done even more quickly had we uh, really known the the true issues that we were dealing with, uh, but it became pretty evident pretty quickly. I think, in general, the ski industry act, reacted uh, very quickly, uh, and that's all been for the good. So you mentioned the the two trillion dollar relief bill that Congress passed last week, and a sign that, as you said, the federal government's finally come around. A substantial portion of that was set aside for small businesses. Does Magic qualify as a small business the way it's defined in that relief package? And have you been able to look into that bill yet and see what sort of aid you may be eligible for? Yeah, I mean, we certainly do. Uh, you know, it's for zero to 500 uh, people. So, I mean, we <laughs> employ, uh, we're definitely within that. Uh, so we we employ, you know, in the height of our season, around 90 you know people here year-round. It's you know, between five and ten people that we we have plus contractors and things of that sort that that we employ. But contractors are are separate deal. So definitely fall within that those guidelines. We've already been in contact. We we were in contact before the bill even passed with the SBA here in Vermont Small Business Administration, who is the the point agency for a lot of this. And so we already started to put together 
the documents and the, the numbers and things of that sort that will be needed for uh, a lot of this aid, uh, pay payroll protection program, idle loans and things, you know, for uh, disaster assistance and things of that sort. Because, you know, we've lost, as, as Vail loses, you know, uh, they say they're going to lose, you know, $200 million across their pro- properties for that quarter on a much smaller scale. We've got the same type of lost lost revenue uh, that we're dealing with because uh, you know March is just a, a, a big time for us uh, in terms of revenue. So it's just <laughs> the way it is. So we've got these uh, losses that uh, we're dealing with uh, in terms of lost revenue that we would have had, which would have helped again be able to carry employees and things of that sort going forward. Uh, so you know the impacts are real. Uh, the bill will be helpful. There's going to be a bunch of red tape to go mm-hmm. through, bureaucratic mess. You know, as usual, these things end up, end up getting executed on the on the local level, and so mm-hmm. there are still agencies trying to figure out, you know, what's in the bill, uh, how it's going to be executed, what are the mechanisms, because a lot of this will be handled by local banks. So the local banks, you know, have to, the SBA may be backing them, but the local banks have to process it all. How are they going to handle that? All the amount of small businesses all of a sudden uh, going to the these banks. So, you know, there's going to be delays, I'm guaranteed, on this thing. But, you know, we're doing our best to stay out in, in front on it, but there's only so much you can do when people don't, you know, the the various mechanisms in the process don't even know what their role is yet and how they're going to handle it. So uh, we expect delays in terms of receiving some of these uh, low-interest loans or no-interest loans. Some of these pay, you know, uh, grants hopefully can come in. Uh, there's a $10,000 grant uh, on, to small businesses. I think there's, you know, for obviously individuals, uh, there's a lot of good things in terms of uh, short-term cash payments and when those come up. But so we're we're going to deal with probably with the same things uh, that the you know us as regular citizens are going to deal with in terms of when money comes in and uh, how it's done. But we're pretty optimistic that we'll be able to obviously steer a course through this. We're going to have to work with a lot of different obviously agencies and banks and things of that sort to get this done. But the help will definitely be needed because, again, uh, the amount of revenue that we've lost. But, you know, we also have uh, we have some cash reserves and things of that sort that we can hopefully put into this because, you know, we got a plan on basically a summer potentially with no revenue. Will it kick in in the fall? Can we do some things? Can we open back up our restaurant bar and have events on, on, the, on the mountain again? We don't know. We're going to follow, the, obviously, the guidance that, uh, and and uh, the statutory regulations that are given to us. So, but it's all unknown at this point. How quickly will this pass over? You know, so we have to be the best prepared we can as a small business uh, to weather this uh, and to come out on the on the other side and continue the work uh, eventually that we need to do in terms of repair and maintenance, finish the lift, uh, going up to the top, and things of that sort. So, uh, we've got to be very careful how we spend our money. Uh, but uh, that's one of the projects we definitely want to finish since we're in the final phases of that. So. Yeah, the the lost revenue probably seems compounded right now because after what was a pretty crummy snow year, 
it's been snowing and your Twitter is, is one of the few that has remained active uh, of ski areas. And it's been, it must be painful for you to see that because it was just one of those just rainstorm after rainstorm kind of winters. Um, if there's another way a relief bill, another stimulus, whatever, however you want to characterize it, which there's a lot of talk of what would be useful for magic as a, a small business to have included in any kind of bill like that? Well, I think, you know, I think relief from uh, in the short term from, you know, some local taxes would be huge. So some state taxes, uh, that's what I would like, let's say, uh, our own, you know, Vermont state legislature is to look at uh, some relief from, for some ski areas would be lodging. Uh, for us, it's, you know, food and beverage, uh, some payroll taxes, things of that sort. Things that can uh, help us keep uh, people employed are really the the key thing so we can have you know once and especially as once people are allowed to you know really go back to work and things of that sort in the summer and fall hopefully you know to for us to be able to get this thing back going quickly uh maybe some relief on, on the on the tax side would would be good thanks you know extending uh the payroll protection program so if we keep people employed to have some of that coverage is is, is important uh, for us. Uh, again, no interest loans would be great uh, to continue those, uh, so that we can get access to to cash to on a, on an operational basis, help us through without having to pay you know a lot of interest on the other end. So those those type of things are are really helpful uh, for a small business, uh, like ours to keep people employed, to get the work done that we need to, because we're, we're coming up. This is our, our kind of off season right now. Uh, as we come up, our normal off season probably starts mid April. And this is when we start selling season passes and things of that sort, which helps us get through all of our, you know, repair and maintenance period. And, uh, through basically November when we start to come, you know, back and, actually, you know, uh, operate as a skier. So that long area of non-operational on the skiing side, while we may have other things like food and beverage and all that kind of stuff, and and who knows what will happen with that, how quickly that comes back, uh, we've got to bridge that gap, right? Uh, Season pass is a great way to do it. But again, we've already already lost, you know, big-time revenue that helps set us up for that period so that we, we have cash reserves, Plus, we have uh, season pass revenue uh, uh, to tide us over through that period and pay employees and all that kind of stuff and do the work we need to do, do the, you know, buy the equipment, et cetera, that we need to do to make all the repairs and things of that sort. So, you know, there's a lot, lot to think about uh, going forward, um, and uh, you know, any assistance we can get to run our business and make up for the early closures that we've had to deal with is is, is good for us. You mentioned the black chair yesterday, and you also mentioned Vail uh, acquiescing that they would lose about $200 million. As a direct result of that, they yesterday canceled all of their lift projects for the rest of the year. You're in a little different situation at Magic with your black chair and that a substantial amount of work on that project has been completed. And in your last Alpine Update email, you indicated that you expected that project to be completed still prior to next season. Can you update us on that and why you feel confident it will get done in spite of this early shutdown? Well, I think again we've we've accomplished a lot already on it. So uh, there's about you know probably two months worth of work uh, left on it. 
so I feel like, you know, at some point we'll be able to really finish that up and finish it uh, within that time period. So we've got some months ahead of us uh, to get that done. Uh, Obviously, it depends to some extent on what what happens with the, you know, virus and back-to-work rules and all that kind of stuff. But uh, given how much progress we've made on it, um, we feel like we can finish it up this year and we've got capital to finish it and that's what we want to do because I think uh, we want to have that ready for next year no matter what that's part of our future it's also part of any you know social distancing it's a perfect <laughs> perfect opportunity to you know who knows you know how much we'll continue to need to do as we go into next winter so I want to be prepared with uh, options uh, and that uh, black quad would give us options so the the plan is and I think because of you know the amount of work that's already been done, the amount of money that's already just been spent, we've got a lot less money to spend and a lot less to do to get that chair ready to go. So, you know, we feel like that should be able to be completed during the summer uh, for sure. We get the, the green light, you know, to get back to work. I skied the lift line several weeks ago now. I guess it was probably the end of February. All the towers were in place. What's your checklist? What needs to be done still to get that thing moving? Oh, I mean, we gotta we got to put the... Uh, the cable on so the haul rope has to go on and that's going to be you know quite the project always a fun one we've got to do two different splices on the whole haul rope so that's that's always a fun project and then we've got the comm line to go on uh the lower uh, uh bull wheel and uh, housing will be going on so those you know and then obviously connect you know the the new drive to it as well as the backup motor and then you can go do your uh, do your tests and get it approved. So, um, so I mean, there are, there are quite a few things still left to do, but those are all, you know, again, within two months, pretty much that whole uh, operation can be done. Well, hopefully you can get back to work on it soon. I want to go back to passes for a moment here. Magic got way out ahead of pretty much everyone else in the industry, large or small, by announcing two things regarding season passes via email last week. Number one, you were extending the early bird savings period deadline two months from April 15th to June 15th. And number two, you were going to announce drops in the price of those passes on April 15th. Take us through these changes and your thought process behind making them. Well, we, you know, we exist in a, in a changed world. Uh, and right now the, uh, the world has changed uh, in the near term for our you know, customers and we can't I think it's just ridiculous not to recognize that in some form. So there's a lot of unemployment, obviously, out there. Uh, I think the jobless claim number was 6.6 million for this last week. Uh, Unbelievable, right? Yeah, which is just an incredible number. And, you know, there are people taking pay cuts, you know, diminished amount of work time, things of that. So there's, you know, besides direct unemployment, there's also reduced probably income uh, that uh, everyone's dealing with. Uh, There's some people who are not affected at all, but I think it it only makes sense to, you know, recognize that to some degree. Uh, Obviously, we can't, you know, we we still have to be able to function as as an operating entity and need, you know, season pass revenue uh, to do that. Uh, but, you know, I feel like if we're in this together a little bit, you know, one, to give people a little more time to 
see where their finances are and things of that sort so they can take advantage of the early bird savings, which usually end for us May 15th to extend it another month, gives people a little more time to uh, consider their finances and hopefully take advantage of the lower price points uh, that we'll be offering, not only in general on the early bird side uh, compared to the rest of the year, but we are going to reduce it probably at least 10% uh, on our main passes. So while that's a significant hit for us, we hope that helps people, you know, in the in the short run, you know, be able to take advantage of the uh, savings you can get by purchasing ahead of time. So we felt like we didn't want to start it, you know, while a lot of stuff is, is going on. People are coming to grips with the new reality. So we put even our start time, uh, which we usually do fairly late compared to the rest of the industry, but at April 1st, we push that even back to our start time, April 15th, just to give people, hmm. you know, a little more time to make the decisions they want to make for their families. Uh, and I think we'll have a, you know, a, a, a new family pass as well that people can take advantage of. So there's, you know, we're just trying to do what we can and recognize uh, the changed realities that people are living with and, uh, uh, you know, do our part so we can help people and hopefully they can help us by buying the season passes because we do need uh you know that that money to do the work we need to do yeah it's a it's an unprecedented economic situation that's for sure and it it's i think the ski industry has to respond uh because of of just exactly what you said in your letter it's it's acknowledging the reality that a lot of people are facing almost everyone is facing simultaneously um as far as the season pass benefits go what's going on with the freedom pass is that still a benefit uh the freedom pass is probably not going to be a benefit for us this next year we're really focusing on the indie pass as you know a mechanism for people to take advantage of all these independent resorts for a very low kind of multi-resort season pass uh and we're trying to you know uh, focus people in on on this indie pass as we're a part of that and and a lot of the freedom pass there's some overlap in there so it's very confusing so i think we're mm-hmm. going to focus on on the indie pass and by buying a magic pass you can get a reduced rate even on the indie pass which is generally it's 199 bucks and when they come out in september if you've already bought uh, season pass with Magic, or you buy one in in the fall, you can get it that one for I think a hundred twenty nine bucks. So really, that's kind of where we're trying to focus our efforts on at this point in time. And having these multiple different kind of benefits didn't really make sense at this point. So you will be on the Indy Pass again next year. Magic will be on that pass. Pass. Yeah, we'll, that's the one we're going to be on. Yes, correct. And, and from a small business point of view, that seems to make sense because you actually get a redemption from the Indy Pass, whereas Freedom Pass was comp tickets. Yeah, correct. Uh, and when there really wasn't another option out there for independent skiers, the Freedom Pass was kind of a, you know, a, a nice, a nice way to add some added value to our passes. But now that we have this Indy Pass, and it, it does have at least some rev- revenue mechanism for us and provides, uh, you know, customers with a, a wide variety of really good places to go to and it, it gets confusing as to are you indie are you freedom are you you know so so we're focusing it on the you know the revenue side for sure so as far as this year's passes go there's been a small but vocal minority out there in social media 
demanding some kind of compensation for the percentage of the season they've missed. Have you seen any of this? And if so, how are you handling it? No, we, we, we haven't seen any of that, really. Uh, for season passes, no, because season passes, you know, the season is what it is. And uh, there's there can be great snow years where we go longer and start earlier, and there can be bad snow years where, you know, things start a little later and end earlier. So <laughs> there's there's really no, I mean, it's season passes for whatever the season is. Uh, so we haven't really faced any of that. Um, yeah, I've seen it more on like Epic and Icon Pass groups. Um, you're still allowing uphill access, but only for local residents. What exactly does that mean, and and what should people know before they go up there? Yeah, I mean, in general, we're we're uh, discouraging uphill travel uh, uh, just because this time of year, anyway, you know, conditions get a little little sketchy because we don't have groomers out, you know, so it can go freeze thaw, freeze thaw, freeze thaw. So you get right. all kinds of conditions, but. You know the the snowmaking trails obviously they're still here, so we really try to uh, discourage it. We yeah, it's it's definitely locals only who are you know as part of the governors. You want to go out and get some exercise. The mountain is still here, but it, it is uh, only for locals. And even that, you know, we put up signs discouraging people just because their conditions can change quickly. And there's no ski patrol on the, the mountain. Obviously, we're closed. This happens every year. We close, and we still allow people to skin up. So it's really no different than any other year, just that we closed earlier this year because of, right. of the virus. So we just uh, we don't want to uh, have people trying to get themselves off a hill if they get injured. Uh, then it comes down to first responders coming out, and they've got better things to do. So we de- we're definitely discouraging it, but like any other year, we we still have it just for locals at this point so they can get some exercise. So last thing I wanted to ask you about here today, Jeff, and the note you sent out last week, you talked about resilience and about not turning on each other. You said, and I thought this was really nicely phrased, so I'm going to quote you here. These are uncertain times, but what is certain is the collective power and compassion of the American people to pull together and accomplish whatever obstacles confront us, no matter how grave. As long as we don't waste this time devolving into negativity against our fellow citizens, and instead focus on caring for our family and neighbors and creating something positive out of this dire health emergency. Can you just talk a little bit more about how you've staked out that position personally and how it's helped you move through this crisis on a personal level? Well, I, I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, a, I am a proud American, and I do feel that uh, we, we are at our best when we all pull together and feel like we're in it together. We do some incredible things as a country, and... I've certainly been disappointed with uh, our politics, uh, and I'm not don't want to get into it. It's not a left or right and all that kind of stuff, but I do feel like we've become more divisive, uh, and it's an easy road to fall down into. I do it myself, uh, and uh, but what continues to give me hope is 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 looking at the bigger picture. And that we do all pull together and do what's best for our various communities and our our community as a whole. We're not. If this virus shows anything. It really there, there's no borders to this thing. That you you can't put up a wall and stop it. You can't put state police on the on the borders of any states and stop it. The virus doesn't uh, work that way. And so the more we care for each other. Uh, the more that uh, we don't spend our time trying to say these people are at fault, these people are not good, and just hole up in our own little, you know, 
uh, houses and, and apartments and things of that sort and feel isolated, that's not going to be good. But if we pull together and feel, even if we are pulled up together, reach out via social media, reach out via the phone call, <laughs> like we're yeah. having right now. It's amazing. <laughs> you actually talk to people. I think more and more people are picking up the phone to actually talk versus just text, which is really I good. definitely am, for yeah. sure. And uh, to reach out uh, and talk, you know, reach out to people. We, you know, we have more time on our hands. Let's use it to reach out. There's so much, uh, you know, excuse, oh, God, I've been so busy, so I haven't been able to, you know, stay in touch with you. Uh, this is the perfect time to do that. And by doing that, you know, crossing those lines and uh we'll we'll feel less isolated which can bring about negativity and i think we'll feel more inclusive which will bring about you know positive action there's still things that we can do uh on the volunteer side everything we're doing uh taking care of our own families and making sure we're doing everything uh, the best we can to stay safe uh and protected those are all really positive things, but shouldn't be done in a vacuum of isolation, but should be done as part of a broader community. So I really, I, I don't want to see us looking at other people from, whether it's other states, other countries, somehow the problem versus all of us as the solution. So that's, I, I believe, wholeheartedly in that. And I think uh, most people do. They, everyone just needs a reminder every now and then. I think in the good phone call every now and then is a good idea to to remind us all that uh, we're connected and uh, that we feel the pain of what's going on right now in, in New York and in New Jersey and in the hospitals. Uh, we did a little very minor thing uh, where we collected goggles as part of this uh, uh, goggles for docs thing that came up very quickly uh, uh, that I believe the, found, you know, once the president of general manager of uh, Berkshire East, John, did this thing and yep. Overnight, uh, we got a lot of skiers involved and things of that sort, and a lot of just regular people, skiers and riders who want to do something were able to get uh, goggles and things of that sort down to hospitals in New York that need it, hospitals in Connecticut, hospitals. All these hospitals are signing up for this. So these small little you know projects and, and touch points that, that we can do, I think, makes us feel like we're a part of it also you know, recognizes, you know, the extreme sacrifices that our medical professionals are dealing with right now. I think many of us are starting to understand it, don't really understand it, but that their lives are on the line every day and they're working 12-hour shifts or more every day without breaks and how difficult that is under less, you know, and a lot of them still don't have the gear that they need, which is unbelievable for a country like ours. So, again, those type of uh, steps that we can take together as a community are good. I mean, we, one of our, you know, we've got a Friends of Magic uh, social group online started by just our skiers and riders, and we we had a virtual get-together at the at the Black Line Tavern uh, last <laughs> night via, via, you know, Zoom. And, you know, I got to see faces of people and things of that sort, and we all got together and talked, and, you know, it just brings the community together just a little bit for a beer virtually, you know, instead of <laughs> actually in this little. But even those little those little things uh, make a world of difference. And 
you can talk about skiing, you can talk about other things. Uh, even though you're not doing it, you feel a part of something broader than just yourself, which is nice. All good insight and advice, Jeff. Well, I took way more of your time than I promised, so I thank you very much for that. I hope that magic pulls through this and continues to thrive. I hope that you stay safe and well, um, and I hope to see you on the slopes in November. Yeah, definitely, uh, Stuart. Good talking with you. Best to you and your family in New York, and uh, uh, we're all praying for you know as positive an outcome as we can get out of this and uh, everyone doing their part, so thank you. That is Jeff Hathaway president of Magic Mountain, Vermont. Thank you for that, Jeff. Seriously now, when this whole thing blows over, make a day to hit Magic. It is a very cool place, and a sudden shutdown like this hits small businesses in a uniquely difficult way. Thank you all very much for listening. I know a lot of people think the skiing doesn't matter right now, but it's an important part of our lives, and it's an important part of the economy and the community wherever it exists. We cannot let this COVID crisis blind us to the joy in our lives even if we can't directly do those things right now. If skiing matters to you right now, let it. Don't feel bad about it. The season's done, and yes, it had to be, but it's still a drag. If seeing how this awful thing is affecting your favorite thing is useful to you, then that's what these interviews are here for. And we'll have more coming. Please subscribe to the Storm Skiing newsletter for free at skiing.substack.com to hear those as soon as they're live. Stay well, stay safe. I'm Stuart Winchester, and I will talk to you again very soon. The Storm Skiing Podcast is a Quicksilver Films production.